We're going to start with a nice word on Parashat's Kisisu. I saw this word brought from the Vayagid Yankiv, who's quoting the Belzeruv, Rebarada, who's quoting his father, Rebsechaber. And the Puzik Vayemer, and the Aver called Tivi Alpenechu, the Kurusi Beshem Hashem Lufenechu. So Rashi says, Lolam de Hussai de Bakushis Rachme, Afna Tichlis Chis Uvis, right? Aidashi is Kiri, the Fun Arach Mechanan, Yi Nanan, Kirachma de Kulam. As long as, even if you, there won't be the Chisovas anymore, right? But you're going to be masked, Rachma Mechanan, Hashem will answer, Kirachma de Kulam. So he brings a diak here. We start with Yaskiri Lefun and Rachim Vichanan. And then it says Rachim Lekulam. It doesn't say Rachim Vichanan anymore. So he brings a, a word that the Toysus explains, Toysus Rosh Hashun explains, the difference between Rachim and Chanan. Chanan means that if somebody is in a tzura, um, then Hashem helps him out. Hashem is Chanan and he helps him out of the tzura. He gives him a Yeshia. Rachim, Rachmim, is when Hashem makes sure that a tzura doesn't come. That's the difference between Rachim and Chanan. Rachim is basically preventative. And Hanan is when a person already needs a Yeshia. So he says, Rashi is saying that Rachmah Lekulam, this midah that the Ibishta has of, of Rachim, to be Marachim on a person, that a Tzura shouldn't come, that's, that's Lekulam. That a person could always be misbelled for. Even if coming out of a Tzura and having a Yeshia is a, is a, needs a bigger schiz, but to avoid a Tzura and, and be misbelled that Hashem should, should help that you shouldn't fall into a Tzura in the first place, that's something that will always be there and a person could always be misbelled in advance. And he brings that the Zodiac which says that the Ibishta tells the Dikim in advance what's going to happen so that they're misspelled in advance to, be, make, to make sure and be misspelled that the Xadis don't come. I think this is just uh, such an important lesson because so often when people find themselves in problems you know, with, with children, with spouses, in general, in relationships, that could have been avoided. And the difference, the, 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 the simple difference is that as long as it could have still been avoided, it would have been so much easier to avoid than to get out of the problem. When, when, you're in a, when you're in a problem, when you're in a, either in a crisis or in general, dealing with a challenge or difficulty, it's hard to get out of it. You have to come up, you have to, you have to come up with a creative solution sometimes. When you understand where a problem could come and you've seen it in the past and you know how to avoid it, it doesn't, say, it doesn't take as much creativity and not nearly as much energy. And that's, that's very important. I, I once said this as a joke, but it's not a joke. You, know, you call a therapist's office, you want to get an appointment, they tell you the next appointment is in a few weeks. Now, it could be it's true that it's not available. But sometimes even if he would be, I think it would be smart for a therapist to say, you know what, come in a few weeks. If you're calling me today, you're probably dealing with a big problem. And I don't want to deal with your problem. First get out of the problem, figure out a way to deal with it, and when you come to me in a few weeks, we'll, deal how to, we'll, we'll discuss how to not fall into the problem again, which is a lot simpler. So I think that's something just to, to think about. And, and one of the ways to do this is to know the people around you. Know the people around you. Those of you who read my book, I'm Get Along With Everyone, where I talk about understanding people's personalities, um, when you know the people around you, you know who they are, you know how they work, you know how they think, you know how they feel, you know how they react. It's a whole different story. You could very easily um, um, know what to avoid and how to make sure that today's difficulties don't happen again tomorrow. Now, you don't have to be an expert in this. You don't have to understand things too well. You just have to be able to connect dots. You can do this without my book. You can do this just looking at the people around you and realizing uh, what caused this difficulty, how did that one come about, how did we fall into this challenge, why did it almost get problematic, what was it, and just, just learn to avoid it in the future. It's so much simpler. The Rachmai Einam Kulam. Just like Hashem, Kaviyuchel, um, is, is, Kaviyuchel is leaving us with this Koyach to avoid problems more than to get out of the ones that exist. I think that's something we could all learn from. So let me just read a question here. There by Groom, we truly enjoy the weekly Q&A based on the parsha. Thank you. We have a question regarding our five-year-old daughter. When you tell her to do something, most of the time she doesn't want to listen and will usually say she'll do it differently but not the way her parents wanted her to do it. Or she'll say she'll do it later and not now. Or, for example, 
when she's told to eat breakfast, she'll say that she'll eat, she'll eat breakfast now, but not what she was told to eat, or what she was told she'll be given. It seems like she has a strong need to always be the one in control. The interesting part is that when you give her a choice, she won't choose from any, and will automatically come up with a third option, and say that that's what she wants. She also can't admit that she ever did anything wrong. She'd rather get punished again and again and again, and in the end claim that it wasn't her fault, and that it was all just a mistake. So we're trying to figure out a different way of talking to her, which won't make her need to oppose what she's told in order to stay in control. We're looking forward to the answer. Thank you. Okay. Now, I believe that most of my listeners who listen to me enough by now um, know what I'm going to say, but it's important to review it and to say it again. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, But before I talk about the nature of this child and how understanding that might be very helpful, I do want to mention something. That is that people who are listening to the first half of the question, might have thought to themselves, okay, typical. Typical, so a little kid doesn't want to listen. Oh, come on, five years old. And the answer is it's true, which means that aside from from the big picture, and aside from really understanding this child better, there is a big part of this, that simple immaturity. And I say this often when it comes to understanding a child's problem or difficulty or whatever challenge a child has, it's important to differentiate between three parts of a problem. The parts that a child will grow out of automatically on their own, which means it's, simple, it's just immaturity. The part that a child's not growing out of, it's okay, this is who they are, and stop trying to change them. And then there's the middle part, where the chinuch comes in, of this child can change and grow and achieve and get places if you help them do it. It's very important to know which parts are not changing anyway, so stop fighting the kid. Which parts are changing on their own, so just be patient and let the child grow up. And then, which parts do I have to, where, where is my input as a parent and a chinuch come in? That's a very important distinction that needs to be made. So there are parts of this question, some examples given, that are an immaturity issue. Now, it could be that even immaturity issues are also part of a personality that have to be dealt with a certain way. But I tell this over the parents who are telling me, I have a six-year-old is climbing on the table. I'm not saying you should leave him on the table. I'm not saying there aren't ways to get him off the table. But just keep in mind, he's not going to do that when he's 16. Now, an 11-year-old doesn't want to go to shul, doesn't want to daven. I understand. We could discuss it. And there are ways to get him to daven and get him to want to daven. But chances are that at 13, when he's a bukhar, when he's already a grown-up, he'll go to shiel. So, so pushing him by 11 and coming up with all kinds of strategies, uh, manipulative, uh, creative ways to get him to shiel, uh, maybe it's not even necessary if you grow out of it on his own. And this is just something to always take into consideration when dealing with anything. If it's immaturity, it's immaturity. And part of this is. So that's that. Now, talking about, about uh, children's personalities in general. Okay, let me, let me, let me start off with this. The Pusik says, something I talk about so often. And the way the Mephashim explains it, Darkoi means, each child has a derech. What's their derech? The derech is based on their personality. A child who understands things a certain way and feels a certain way, automatically that, so to speak, demands of the parents to take that into consideration when being Mechan of this child. Again, that's a Pusik. It's not just a privilege or, or a tactic. It's, it's something that, that that's basically what Chinuch means. Now, when you do that, it makes your life easier. Understanding a child and figuring out, oh, so why does this child resist being told what to do? Why is this child having this difficulty? Oh, it's because of the nature of the child? Or even not with this kind of challenges, anything. Why is my child so sloppy? Why is my child so quick? Why is my child so slow? Why is my child... Oh, you're understanding a child's personality? It definitely makes a lot of things easier. It definitely takes away the frustration of, of thinking something's wrong with a child, the worry, let's call it. The frustration of trying to change the kid and it's not working. You get rid of that when you understand who the child is. You know a lot more about what to expect. Okay, it makes things already easier. There's not so much unknown. 
uh, you know how to work with the kid, knowing what knowing what to expect him or her to be able to accept and succeed with, and you don't compare the kid. Comparing is also a big frustration for parents to see the comparison. How come this kid's like that and that one's like that? I can't handle it. This one at age eight was already doing this and this one not, and this one's so much better behavior. Aside from that, so often we project this on children. Why are you doing this? Your sister doesn't do that. How come you're doing this? When your brother was your age, oh, but you, you avoid that, and, and it's very damaging. So these are just some of the advantages that come along with understanding a kid for who he is. And, and that's really the basis of Chinuch and Chinuch and Arabidarka. But if people want to be successful. I saw recently a story of the Chavot Chaim that I wanted to share. I don't think I ever shared it in my, in my Shirim. A very nice story. I said it in the Dursha recently, but not in the Shir. The Chavot Chaim, when he was older, in Radim, so he would dive in during the week with the Bukhram from the Yeshiva. They would make a, min, a private menu for the Chavot Chaim. He wasn't coming to the Yeshiva anymore. He was at home. And the Bukhram would dive in the middle of the week. And Shabbos, his children and Einiklich would come over and dive in with the Chavot Chaim at home. And after davening, you know, the children and the Einiklech would go by and say, Good Shabbos. And there was one of his children who brought an Einikel, a grandson, who was going by and said, and, and he said, Okay, say Good Shabbos to Zaidi. And the kid didn't want, he was embarrassed, he was ashamed, whatever it was, and he was pulling back. And the Rav Chaim said, Don't worry, he's a Baishun. He's ashamed, it's a good Midah. It's a good Midah, it's a Yiddish Midah. Yidin are Baishunim, they're ashamed. It's good. And he gave that chizik, it looked like he was just being encouraging. Um, then another Einikel goes by, and this one screamed out, Oh, get Shabbos Zaidi! With all that confidence, and this parent was probably beaming and all excited. And the Chavot Chaim gets Kharifun, Az Punam. Az Punam, obnoxious. Az Punam. And everyone was shocked to hear the Chavot Chaim talk like that. First of all, what they could do, he only said get Shabbos, it wasn't, it wasn't such a chitzpah. But to hear the Chavot Chaim talk like that was a chiddush. The Chavot Chaim wasn't somebody who said something negative or nasty, certainly not in public. And when Rav Chaim realized the reaction that everyone had when they heard this comment, Az Punam, he explained right away. He said, the Pusik says, Chanuch Hanar Apidarker. Each child has to be Mechanuch according to his nature, based on what he is. So when I saw the first one was a Baish, and the second one was a, was, had more Azus, and more, today we call confidence, or maybe too much confidence, I was just pointing out to the parents, this is the child's nature, and this is what, he, what, we, what you have to take into consideration and use when being Mechanuchim. Right? The Yidim Taimer says, um, one of the things to, to learn from, to be az kanumer, you need that, that obnoxiousness, you need that strength, az kanumer, like an eagle, um, to, to serve Hashem. So I was just pointing out that he's an az punim, and he didn't, he wasn't referring to the chazal that says az punim, the gehenim, he meant to say, that's this nature of Hashem, and that has to be used the right way. He should be strong, he should be confident, he should know what the right thing is, he should use his, his koiches the right way. So it's very interesting to see how Understanding the child just gives you a, like some kind of um, some kind of map, some kind of mahalach, what you're going to be using with this kid. Now, based on the question, as many people know already, based on the chinuch course that I have about such children, for those who are interested, based on my book, um, this is what I call UV children. I'm not going to go into the whole background, but there is there are children, and it's 25 percent of them, by the way, that are dominated by their emotional component, which means everybody has in them that sensitive part of them. Some people are more sensitive than others because that part of them, that part of their program, that part of their nefesh, that part of their personality is the strongest. When somebody is dominated by how they feel, there's a hypersensitivity that makes a person very emotional, very reactive, very sensitive. And you see this in small children. You don't have to be 20 to, to tell a person's personality. You can see this in small children. So while it's true that many children don't like to take, to take authority and, and, and just take uh, instruction and be controlled, 
which that part might have to do with a certain immaturity, which you do grow out of as time goes on, there are children that do have an aversion on control, on, on being controlled. So, again, all children are sensitive, and all children definitely need a softer approach and a, a more emotional, less logical approach. But some children are hypersensitive and very emotional, and if they're not feeling good, and part of not feeling good for such children is being controlled, being told what to do, being bossed around the way the way they interpret it, um, is definitely something that they find very challenging. Now, you mentioned that you give choices to this child, and I'll just uh, comment on that. Choices are great. Choices are great. Some children don't need choices. Some children don't want choices. Some children get nervous from choices. You want to do like this, you want to do like that. I don't know. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. That's wonderful. Some children need choices. They feel better when there's a choice. They feel less controlled and less dictated, and it's just easier for them to follow through. Now, when giving a choice... There's, a, there's ways to do it. And again, I have no idea if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way, and it could be doing it the right way, still not working. But let me just mention this. I've seen many people make that mistake. Some, some people will say, okay, so you want to sit over here or over here? Listen, it's these two. You can sit here or here. You don't even realize sometimes, but that authoritative, authoritative voice and that, that, that um, very small amount of choices with the, with the underlying message of it's one of these two, that's not, that doesn't give the child the, the comfortability they need to choose. Letting a child feel that he could choose means that he, he doesn't he's not being dictated. Now it's a little tricky because sometimes there aren't endless choices. What I mean to say is telling a child, listen, if you want, you can go to bed eight thirty with a CD, and mommy will come to your bed, and you get a special nash. If you don't want, you don't have to. You can go to bed even till nine o'clock. That's fine. It's a choice that doesn't sound it doesn't sound like you better choose quickly one or the other and tell me which one you're doing because I'm not giving you a lot of choices. It sounds like it's up to you if you want to get certain privileges or not. Sometimes with children that are struggling even more with getting to bed, the right way to do it is, listen, Tati and Mommy want you to be in bed by 9 o'clock. It's up to you. You don't have to. If you are, then tomorrow you'll get this privilege or not or whatever. But if you want, you just go to sleep whenever you want. Sometimes that works best. Sometimes letting a child feel like it really is their choice while clarifying very clearly what you really want from them so that they don't get a wrong message, that helps them choose the right way. And they might not choose the right way the first night. They might take advantage of it or see if you mean it that they can stay up till 11 o'clock. You might want to clarify that after 9 o'clock, mommy gets busy, mommy won't be able to talk to you. And a lot of other ideas that I have, and I don't want anyone to start asking questions about what I just said because it has to be applied the right way. My point is just that giving a choice means you're letting a child choose. But sometimes he doesn't feel like he could choose because the choices are limited and because he has to make a decision right now and because he's only getting these choices and things like that. So it's just some, some food for thought um, how to give a choice and the attitude and the tune and when to do it. I always talk about timing. When, it, when, it, when a child's supposed to be eating right now, it's like, so you, so you want the cheese or the rice cakes? Which one do you want? I, I don't want anything. Just don't bug me. If you talk about it a half hour earlier, when it's irrelevant and there's no emotional challenge, no, no resistance to it, it also makes the choice so much more appealing. In a half hour, we're going to be eating something. Um, these are the things that mommy can make if you want. If you don't, it's okay. So which one do you want? You can think about it. It makes it, it, makes it a, lot, a lot easier. That's, that's one thing. Another thing when it comes to choices in general and when it comes to talking to such children also, very often you're talking about getting punished, so I'm just going to pick up on that one as well. Because um, a lot of times getting punished has to do with not doing what she was told to do. Um, there's punishments and there's consequences. And the, the simple difference, a lot of it has to do with how you say things and how you present it, but the simple difference is a punishment means if you don't do this, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish you. So if you're not in bed at 9 o'clock, you're getting a patch. Or I'm, or I'm going to take away your snack. It's a punishment. It's not, it has nothing to, it's not directly connected going to bed with getting a snack or not getting a snack, but I'm going to show you that I'm in control. Very often, a punishment, as much as you would assume that a child doesn't want to get punished, but the resistance to accepting authority 
and the resistance to just submitting to what was told to be done is too strong and a punishment will work. And the more punishment, the more aversion to it, the more anger, the more defensiveness, the more resistance, as opposed to a consequence. Consequence means that I love coming to your bed. From 9 o'clock and on, I'm busy preparing for Shabbos. If you're there before, I'll come. If, you, if you're not there before 9, then you know, please understand that mommy's busy. That means it's just, it's just cause and effect. After 9, I'm not available. But it's up to you. If you want me there, it's good. If not, not. Like I said before, presenting things in a way where it seems just so technical. If you're in bed early, I'll have time to prepare you a good snack and I won't be busy with you. Then I'll be able to do this. And you'll have it. And if not, not, it's okay. That's a kind of, it's not a punishment. It's very important to clarify that it's not a punishment. It's, it's up to you and I'm not upset, etc. So that's just another idea that I wanted to throw in based on what was being written over here. But let me just go back to the, to the main thing. Talking to a child in a way that works for them. Knowing how to knowing how to make a child feel like, like you're not controlling them. Many, many people don't like that. A five-year-old, I can't tell her what to do. So my cute answer always is, sure, go ahead, tell her what to do. Is it working? It's not working. So you don't need my permission to tell her what to do. You don't want to tell her what to do anymore at this point because it's not working. But the real thing is, and this is an idea that, sorry, the post it's not my own idea. Just like people understand, and Shachnurich says, Chazal teach us, you don't hit a child over 13 years old. Why? They might hit you back. I hit you back? What are chutzpah? Who are they to hit you back? They're not allowed to hit you back. The Shachanuch should write, um, child, if your parent ever hits you, you shouldn't hit back. He doesn't say you can't hit a child because he's overage to get hit. He, he might hit you back. It's lifna either. He's not allowed to put him in a spot where he won't know how to tolerate it. And the post can clarify that if a child is younger than 13, but you know based on his behavior, based on his nature, based on, based on his um, situation, that he's going to hit you back at 10 years old, you're not allowed to hit him then either. Yeah, but I'll hit him stronger. Listen, you want to get into a fist fight with your child, I understand that you'd like that, but the Shekhanur is telling you, don't do that. Don't challenge a child in a way that they won't know how to tolerate the challenge. They won't know how to deal with it. It's interesting. Telling a child that he has to do something that he can't do, whether it's impossible to do, or for him it's impossible to do, it's not chinach. It's a wrong message. And it's not what parents are supposed to be doing. Chinach means teaching children. Chinach doesn't mean controlling children. And, and often it doesn't work. Now, we don't like to admit, but very often it's, it's an ego issue of, what do you mean, I told my kid what to do, he's not listening, I, I can't handle this. Instead of thinking, should I have told him to do that? What was I thinking? I, I knew he wouldn't be able to, why, why did I say that? So I think this is something that we, we sometimes have to um, just take into consideration when talking to children who we know have an issue with certain, with certain um, 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 things. And just pick up on another point before I go back to the more general idea, uh, talking about taking blame. That's more giveaway, by the way, for, for the UV personality. Aside from not taking authority, taking blame, it's one of the things I teach right away. Don't blame somebody who's very sensitive. They won't handle it. What do you mean? I can't tell her she's something wrong? Again, you could. It's not working. Be more creative. And know how to tell a child, I don't think it's your fault. I'm sure you did not mean it. This thing, not you, this thing wasn't good. I really hope that in the future it won't happen. Because if this happens and then you do that, it could cause a problem even when you don't mean it. There's something about not blaming someone that just makes them hear what you're saying. Again, Many children have no problem hearing that. Some children do. The ones that do, you have to be more creative. You have to know, but you want to be. And this is what helps people um, be more matzliach when it comes to chinach. So instead of talking about the past and talking about what they did wrong and making them admit it and agree to it, and like you said, you say it again and again, and she keeps on saying she's not learned from that and realize that this is her nature, her personality, say it in the right way and talk about the future Maybe even sometimes justifying the past or explaining that you're sure that the past wasn't the way you thought it was, but you want to know for the future we could try to be much more careful. And even when a child says, no, I can't, what should I do? It's not my, I can't do anything about it. 
Okay, if you could, and if you'll be able to, I would appreciate if you do. Don't get stuck in the debate and the back and forth. And again, this is just mamish, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to understanding sensitive children in general. But let me give a more general idea that does affect such children, bechlal, befrat, let's say. So often a child has these challenging behaviors. And very often we label children based on these behaviors. Either we call them outright a mechutzuf, or, or uh, you know, you're so lazy, you're not helpful, which is already a terrible thing to do. And sometimes it's only in our minds. We see this child as a difficult child. And it's true. This child has six siblings, none of them are as challenging or difficult. But slowly it becomes an identity, and this child feels it. Just the other day I was talking to somebody who was telling me that he struggles in the morning, Sunday morning, to write a mitzvah, a mitzvah note for his son, going back to Haider. I don't know what to write. He didn't do anything good. Now, even just in the course of the conversation that we had, uh, I realized certain good things that were coming in between the lines, which was interesting because they weren't um, great, amazing achievements, but they were there. And maybe you could even set him up for something, ask him for something small that he'll be able to do so that you could be creative later and come up with something good that he did. Help a child identify as a good child. And even in your own mind and heart, see his difficulties and his problems or whatever obnoxiousness you're noticing, see it as, as something happening, see it as, as something um, either circumstantial or, accept, or an exception. Don't see it as the child. And know how to focus on the good and see the good and make a big deal about it and emphasize it and keep on telling the child, why wow, you're amazing. You're amazing. You, whenever I ask you to do anything, you do it right away. You want to do this small thing? Only if you want. By adding, when you tell a child to do something, by adding only if you want, and I know, again, people get stuck. Wait a minute, I can't tell my child what to do? You could. But I think you want to, for your benefit, add... You don't have to. Only if you want and you can bring me that thing, I'll really appreciate it. What you just helped yourself do and help your child do is you made it easier for the child to do because there's no authority. They don't have to. It's not a demand. It's not a control. You made that if the child chooses not to because they are lazy, they are resisting, there's no chitzpah involved because I didn't tell you you have to. You're also making it easier for yourself and for the child to, to express and accept appreciation for what was just done because I didn't tell you you had to. It was nice of you to do it. Thank you so much. You're such a mitzvah girl. Next time around, who's my mitzvah girl that just helped me so much? You want to do another mitzvah? Only if you want. You, know, you already did one today. And slowly you help the child identify as a good kid and feel good about it. You're telling her things and presenting things in a way that's easier for her to do and to identify as the one that's good. And so often these are the children that when you say, I have a mitzvah, who wants the mitzvah? You're the first ones to do it. The same child that won't do anything that they're told to do. So aside from choices and the child, you know, just knowing how to say it in a way that the child identifies and feels good about it, that's that's very important. And in general, let me just finish with this. Chinech in general, is so much about the big picture. And it's not easy. Again, I'm also a parent. I also have my ego. I also have my issues with children doing what I want them to do. But chinech in general, is not about the, it's not about the short term. It's not about getting my child to do something or, or daven or help or listen to instruction or stop fighting. It's about a big picture. Now, of course, the big picture is part, it has a lot of little pictures in it that have to be dealt with the right way. But sometimes when we just focus on the big picture and realize that if I want to get this kid, Hashem, at age 20, to be the healthiest and happiest um, in, in all areas, when I say healthy, I mean emotionally, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, and everything, the healthiest possible, what could I do now best, dealing with a small challenge, to get to the bigger results that I'm looking for? When people don't see that and don't think about it, then often you get stuck on the little, on the little things. When you're ready to learn who the child is, have some kind of vision, what I want this child to become one day, what could work best, or, you know, and it just gives you a certain amount, a, a, certain, a certain perspective, a certain attitude, which makes things so much easier. So like I said, like we started with, you know, the difference between Rachem and Chanun. Chanun means getting out of a problem, which sometimes is difficult, but learning how to avoid the problem, that's Rachem. 
And when we say Karachim of Albunam, I think that could also interpret itself as parents using their Rachmunas for their children to help their children avoid difficulties by being a little more understanding, by knowing who their children are, by dealing with them the right way, you know, by having that Chanochal Nara Pidarkoi attitude, being Zoyach Tadav Tochav, Gam Kiyaz Kadis Mamena, and seeing Nachas and Ibersil from all our children.